This is The First Time, Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series. Every show, we invite a group of storytellers to talk about different firsts and pick a song to go with it. This show's theme was First Family, recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center with music by The First Time 3. Here's your host, Jen Sedini. Up next, Alicia Nesbury moore is the chief veggie officer, the CVO, at Urban Produce, a native of Richmond Park, Illinois. She's a molecular biologist, which is amazing. And she teaches science and urban agriculture at the City Colleges of Chicago. Give it up for Alicia Nesbury Moore. The tragedy of life doesn't lie in reaching your goal. The tragedy lies in having no goal to reach. It isn't a calamity to die with dreams unfulfilled, but it is a calamity not to dream. It is not a disaster to be unable to capture your ideal, but it is a disaster to have no ideal to capture. It is not a disgrace not to reach for the stars, but it is a disgrace not to have stars to reach for. Not failure, but low aim is sin. These are words by Benjamin E. Mays, and they are words that I've lived by my entire life. I was the kind of kid that never committed to anything because I felt like the world was my oyster. I had the kind of parents that encouraged me to dream. I wanted to be a gymnast like Dominique Dawes. They pay for gymnastics classes. I wanted to be a Spice Girl. They endured hours and hours of Spice Girl movies, videos, documentaries. I spent hours and hours in the kitchen trying to figure out how to get my hair like Scary Spice. I think I finally achieved a look. I wanted to be an astronaut. So they watched hours of sci-fi and they encouraged me to be a scientist And they even let me sleep in their bed when I swore I was getting abducted by aliens. (laughs) The list goes on and on. There isn't something that I haven't presented to my family that they haven't supported. My parents say they never wanted my brother and I to feel like we were limited. So they let us dream and allowed our God-given talents to lead the way. So imagine how years and years of no boundaries gave me the confidence to walk in any room. I mean, you couldn't tell me nothing. And this confidence remained until I was in high school. In high school, I was that girl. I was smart, slightly nerdy. I was a cheerleader. I sang in performance choirs. I was excellent with very little effort. 
everything just seemed to come naturally. <laughs> but oh, when I got to college, your girl was humbled, okay? College required something that I quite hadn't done before, hard work. So my natural ability to be excellent was not so natural anymore. For the first time in my life, I felt small. I stopped singing, orating. I wasn't excelling academically. I slowly faded to the background. I had to work really hard to graduate. So the first time in my life, I actually stopped dreaming. I just had to put my head down and do what I had to do. By the time I entered grad school, I developed stage fright so bad that I would get all nervous and jittery. My mouth got dry. This weird feeling would come over me. My voice would get shaky, my body fidgety. And I was sure you could see my heartbeat. I barely had enough confidence to speak to an audience. And it could be as simple as a research presentation. Fast forward to now, I do some pretty cool work. I'm a plant scientist who farms in the middle of the city of Chicago. I stand at the intersection of generations, cultures, regions, industries. I have a modern approach to an ancient practice. It started off as a humble job, but over time, it's become a little popular. People are connecting to their food. This work has forced me to speak and I've had small opportunities here and there, each time getting a little easier than the last, each crowd getting a little larger than the last. I was finally getting my mojo back. And then I was asked to be a keynote at an industry conference. This farming gig has granted me a lot of firsts, but oh my God, this was a first. It took many therapy sessions for me to accept, but I finally did. And the day finally comes and to say I was nervous was an understatement. I implemented my little trick of over-preparing and going over my talk. But my little trick wasn't working. My body was weird. My voice got shaky. My hands were clammy. And I'm sure you could see my heart beating through my chest. Like so many times in my life, I was the only black girl in the room. But this time was different. I was talking about my work to a bunch of rural farmers. 
I couldn't mess this up. I just kept asking myself, where was my therapist when I needed her? Cause sis was not answering my emails. <laughs> but I could hear her say, Alicia, you need to take up space. So I needed to get out of my head. I needed to call reinforcements. I needed to go to my car. You see, whenever I'm nervous, I sit in my car and blast my favorite songs, which has led to some very, very awkward moments at intersections. <laughs> but I stopped caring. And the more nervous I get, the further back in time I go. I mean, 70s funk has me in a chokehold. But this time, I sat in silence and I reflected on the story of my great-grandfathers. My maternal great-grandfather started as a poor sharecropper and turned entrepreneur. He started with nothing and with his skills, he managed a large farm and provided a comfortable life for a family of nine. By the time he died, he'd owned multiple properties and over 100 acres of land. I also reflected on the story of my paternal great-grandfather who purchased a refrigerated cargo van to deliver fresh vegetables to residents on the far south side of Chicago to ensure that his community had access to fresh produce. He was able to impact the lives of, one, of hundreds of families. Both of my grandfathers did the work that I do today, virtually from nothing and with no education. So I sat and I said, wow. I often reflect on the lives of my ancestors when I'm feeling overwhelmed because I know without a doubt, I'm their wildest dream. And if you travel back to 1960 and told my great-grandfather that his great-granddaughter was a scientist who owned a two-acre farm on the west side of Chicago, he probably would laugh and call you crazy. And so I knew that this moment, this moment was for him. I play certain songs, you know, at certain times, and usually my go-to is Beyonce, because you know. <laughs> but this particular day, I needed the boldness of my grandfathers. So I blasted War by Galaxy to ground me. I started to sway my hips. I put some sass in my neck, and I started to sing. It's out of sight, it's out of sight. Out of sight, it's going to the galaxy. And the drums, they welcomed in my ancestors. And then I remembered I wasn't alone. I look down and I see my ancestors holding me up. Because as, as Maya Angelou reminds me, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. 
Thank you. It's gone in the gap. 
galaxy. It's gone in the galaxy. It's gone in the galaxy. It's gone in the galaxy. It's out of sight. It's out of sight. It's out of sight. Out of sight. It's out of sight. It's out of sight. It's out of sight. Out of sight. It's gone in the galaxy. It's gone in the galaxy. It's gone in the galaxy. First Time is hosted by Jen Sedini, with production by Bobby Evers, Andy Vasoyan, and Executive Director Julie Miller. The podcast is edited by Andy Vasoyan and Jen Rourke, with songs performed by The First Time Three. You can find this and other Chirp podcasts and interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.